Hello, welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show brought to you by gtex.org.uk. I'm your host, Simone Vincenzi, and this is the podcast for experts who want to become the ultimate authority in their niche while making an impact in the world. Now, today is about uh, how to grow and scale a seven-figure business with Zion Kim. So you will absolutely love this interview. Before I let you know a bit more, if you haven't uh, downloaded our checklist and you want to build a highly profitable coaching, speaking, or training business, make sure you download our expert business checklist right now. Because the expert business checklist is the best tool that you can use for your expert business so that where you will take a full assessment of your business and know exactly what to focus on to go to the next level. So you can find the link in the show notes. Now, back to the interview. As I said, I have the pleasure to, the interview, to interview Zion Kim. Zion is the CEO of 1MT and the co-creator of the ROI method. He was kicked out of business school his freshman year and has since started six six and seven-figure companies, two of them while still an undergrad. His company 1MT is currently on a mission to support 1 million entrepreneurs to seven figures and beyond to add a trillion dollars to the global economy. In this episode, we talk about how to create the right culture in your business, the most common mistakes that prevent business owners to scale to seven figures, and the most crucial elements to build a seven-figure business. Um, as well, Zion and I met him, we've been following, uh, been following him for a while online, and then met him on an island in Croatia, spent some time with uh, some high-level entrepreneurs this past summer. So we ended up chatting, and uh, that's the result of this conversation is the interview that you're listening today. If you want to read the entire transcript and get the bonus resources, visit www.gtex.org.uk forward slash 258. Uh, and now, if you haven't as well, if you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you subscribe straight away. And I will see you on the other side. Enjoy the show. Ciao. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. And today I'm here with the one and only Zion Kim. How are you doing, Zion? Doing amazing, man. Oh, fantastic. So uh, we spent some incredible time in Croatia, in an island with a bunch of other entrepreneurs we connected. I've been following you for a while as well on social media and a perfect guest in particular out a service business. That's, that's what you do day in and day out. Sure. So um, I'd love to pick your brain on that. Uh, and I'm sure that our audience would love to pick your brain as well. Um, so uh, let's start before we get into the conversation. Tell us a bit more about you and how did you get to this point? Uh, yeah. So I've definitely learned everything through many, many, many failures, mistakes, and just kind of learning from uh, where I messed up along the way. Um, my first business was a custom clothing company for fraternities and sororities. Uh, and we had this one week where we literally had, you know, thousands upon thousands of orders, which in, in the typical world would be a great thing. Um, but that ended up, you know, teaching me everything what operational scale was not because uh, we got the last order out probably three months, um, three months after the fact when we were promising people it would happen the week after. And, you know, because it was just all completely custom, right? So it's, um, 
You know, so there's a lot of uh, very unfortunate things that came out of that, but a lot of really great learning lessons. And then um, what, what, what products or service was that? Uh, that was clothing. Clothing. Yeah. Yeah. That was custom clothing. So that was embroidery. That was applique. Um, so there's a lot of um, really, really, you know, fun experiences there because I got to learn about a whole new world. But, um, you know, it definitely got to a point where it was just really, really difficult, really challenging. Uh, I'm happy I moved past it. And then um, the business after that was, um, you know, we opened one of the largest co-working spaces in, uh, in New Jersey. And that's kind of where I start to really learn about operations, how to get myself out of it, how to, you know, hire in the community managers, everything like that. Um, and we got that whole space operationalized and, you know, also ran uh, one of New Jersey's largest uh, tech and entrepreneurial meetup groups uh, out of that uh, space as well. And I know how much you love events and I know you and I briefly chatted about that. But um, yeah, I host an event every month for about um, two years. And, you know, with about 100, 150 people uh, a month, sometimes, you know, more than an event a month, a um, couple conferences in there as well. Um, and then fast forward, um, you know, after that, I had a digital agency for a few years where, uh, you know, we had, you know, quite a few like WordPress plugins. We had like our whole like dev uh, component to it. Um, so we've had probably like a, over 100,000 websites using our plugins and then uh, also had been running traffic for companies that are usually between, you know, my smallest clients were like maybe like two to 3 million. And the next smallest one is like 20 million. So, mm -hmm. um, but most of the companies were, um, you know, eight figures to even like a few billion dollars. So I just ran all their digital acquisition strategies. Um, and, you know, and that really led me to today where, you know, we're just helping scale, you know, service-based businesses. Um, by helping people leverage better business models, better systems, ops, sales, marketing, all, you know, all the above, right? So when uh, well, I can see that you got like literally an experience and expertise in a lot of different fields. Uh, yeah. There are industries that are completely different from office spaces to clothing <laughs> to events. Um, when did you get your uh, entrepreneurial itch? You know, I think there's sometimes there's a point when you're like, okay, actually. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Um, so when I was 15 or 16, um, I was a gamer at the time. And like I was, um, you know, on my way to become a professional gamer and that was my 100% aspiration. And, you know, back then I kept being told, oh, you can't do stuff until you're 18 because that's like the legal age. Uh, here and you know, and I had quite a bit of chip, uh, a chip on my shoulder about that. And uh, all of a sudden, I start seeing like people doing business. So honestly, the reason why I got into business in the first place was just because it was something that I wasn't supposed to do, and it was something that was really, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so when we were 16. We started our first kind of um, you know web development company. Um, but you know, I also have the typical story of um, you know when I was 10 or earlier than that. You know, had the whole like lemonade stand stuff. Uh, going on and even earlier than that, you know, we used to trace um, like these drawings from like coloring, like from these like Pokemon coloring books. And then we'd have like these really awesome like drawings and then we would sell them in our third grade class for like, you know, 10, 20 cents or whatever that people want like, to give us for them. Um, yeah, so that's, that's um, really how it got started for me in terms of why I got interested in marketing, uh, not marketing, just business in general. Um, but 
you know, that's also where I learned a lot about marketing as well, or I got my first taste in marketing, I should say. Um, so I don't know if you've ever used like IRC or anything like that, but that's like way, way back when, when that was the primary way that all the gamers yeah, used. No, I haven't, I haven't used those. I actually started like, I literally started getting into business. Was that like nine, nine years ago? Yeah, nine yeah. years ago, I was twenty two at the time, so that, that that wasn't something I wasn't using in there. But uh, I have one more question before we go into the, the other, sure. uh, a bit more about you. Um, is there any business that you've been in that you're like you couldn't wait to get out of it because you have started multiple businesses? And oh yeah, um, yeah, that was my first one, my my first business for sure. Um, you know, because what's what's interesting about the path of business is. You know, I, I always try to take it to the point where, you know, we're hitting like a six figure run rate. And then that gives you a really good idea of, you know, what's next in the business to take it to the next level. And when I get to that point, you know, I have a pretty good idea of the industry. I have a pretty good idea of what sales marketing ops look like for that business. And then I just ask myself the question of, okay, well, is this something I really see myself continuing with? Uh, which is why I've gone into a bunch of things, gone out of a bunch of things and, you know, vice versa. But um, I'd say that first business was probably probably the most challenging for me, um, A, because I was 19 and, you know, had no idea what I was doing. Um, so that was where I had to learn a ton. And, you know, I just made every single mistake that, you know, you could possibly imagine. And, you know, it wasn't very fulfilling, right? Like, yeah. I, I didn't really feel that I was, like, helping people. I definitely felt that. Uh, I was fulfilling and serving a need and, you know, taking and exploiting an opportunity in the marketplace. But, you know, the question that I asked myself then was, if I disappeared tomorrow, like if this business disappeared tomorrow, like would people actually notice? And what would the impact be on those individuals? And when I asked myself that question, I was like, you know, this is not what I was put on this earth for. This is not something that I want to take to the next level. Cause you know, I, I saw what it took to grow it and take, you know, and to really, really blow it out of the business, make it sellable, whatever. But it was just a matter of, okay, well I can put another year, two years, three years into, into this of my life, or I can go do something else. Sure. And I think that, you know, a lot of people that are listening right now, they may have this in a previous business and that's why they started the current businesses are in uh, or they might have felt the same in an, as an employee as employees in a job that they didn't like and then decided okay yeah. now I want something which is uh, not only fulfilling on a financial level but also is fulfilling on an emotional level on a spiritual level and uh, right so let's go into the let's you know we know each other a bit more yeah. <laughs> let's uh, get into scaling and the to a service-based business. So sure. what I want to talk about is I, as I said before in the, in the chat, is like the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> because uh, yeah. I think I remember when uh, when uh, we started our business, we said, okay, yeah, we want to have this huge company. We want to have a lot of people working for us. And that was a dream at the beginning. And uh, then uh, that dream became a reality. Uh, but it didn't look anything like <laughs> it was in the initial dream. And there were plenty right. of 
times where I was like looking back with nostalgia <laughs> at the time yeah. where it was just on my own or just me and my business partner. Yeah, and that's it. And, uh, and uh, we had way less moving pieces of the puzzle and mm-hmm. way less uh, complications uh, of the business. And so let's give a reality check on sure. the, the reality of scaling a business. So first of all, let's start with uh, some of the, um, the, the misconception or the, the myths that there are out there for someone that says, okay, I want to scale this business. I want to scale sure. this. Uh, what, what are they really in for? Mm. So I think the biggest misconception, so I, I would say there's two that come to the top of mind right away. Um, the first one is when all my when I solve my lead gen problem, business will get better, and I will finally be taken care of, and things will, um, you know, be good because then the business will be growing. Whatever. Um, that's probably the that's probably like myth number one, right? Is um, you know, and the reason is because most people think that's where it ends, and that's like the holy grail is predictable, uh, predictable lead gen, predictable revenue, whatever it might be. But what people don't understand is that's where all the problems actually start, right? When, <laughs> when you start to, because, um, you know, especially for those that are listening to this that don't have uh, a high volume of sales calls right now or anything like that, you know, once you solve your lead gen issue and, you know, you start hopping on 20, 30 sales calls a week, it starts to become quite exhausting, right? So when you're first getting started, you know, every time you hop on a sales call, you're like, yes, an opportunity, this is great. Um, and you really, you know, kind of cherish, you know, each and every call that you hop on, but eventually it gets to a point where it becomes quite mundane, right? And that might not be the easiest reality for people to grasp because it's just not, um, you know, something that people ever get to. It's a problem that people never uh, quite experience. But, you know, I've had a lot of people where they're quite burnt out and quite bored, quite frankly, because the conversation is literally the same conversation over and over, and over again, right? So... Um, so then, you know, your biggest challenge becomes removing yourself from sales, right? So then, then the revenue generation portion uh, can essentially happen without you. And that's, you know, really a significant pillar of, you know, of the business itself, right? So I'd say another misconception is, um, you know, this whole, the elusive uh, figure of uh, the million dollar or the seven figure business, Right. I think people don't quite understand what happens once you cross over into that million dollar mark. Um, and again, you know, a lot of people see that as a destination, but they don't realize how much of a starting point that is for more problems to occur. Right. Because um, typically what happens. So, you know, let's talk about the typical pathway for when people get to their first seven figures. Right. Um, and you're going to laugh because you've seen all this. Right. Um, <laughs> They're hustling their ass off, doing whatever it takes to get money through the door. They're likely taking whatever type of client that they want uh, to get through the door. Uh, they probably have a ton of service offerings um, you know, to, to generate the actual leads. Um, they probably have a ton of things that they're doing for lead gen, but not necessarily any predictability across the board. Um, and, you know, and you typically don't have too many systems dialed in, too many operations, because you really just focus on sales and marketing, which, um, you know, which is one thing that you absolutely should do followed by making sure that your delivery is just completely streamlined and taken care of. Right. Um, so all of these issues become amplified because once you cross over into a million, you know, you all of a sudden 
are at this point where you have to start hiring in order to go to the next level, but becomes this chicken or the egg problem, right? Because um, now you're like, okay, well, I have cash, but it's really not that much when you think about it, because I have to start hiring all these people doing all this work just so I can double the company. And I think a lot of people really underestimate uh, what it takes to go from, you know, one to two, two to five, and what that whole journey looks like. So if we talk about, you know, the ugly, right, that's, that's where it gets ugly. You have to start hiring people. Uh, and a lot of people have this, um, you know, other misconception that being independent is, is what takes strength, right? And to me, you know, being in the, like, independence is one of the easiest things in the human experience, mm-hmm. right? The moment that you have to start trusting other people, working with other people, being vulnerable and transparent with other people, you know, that, um, you know, the vulnerability, especially the vulnerability aspect, right? Like those are the moments where you're essentially naked in front of another human being and you're letting them really see you because interdependence rather than independence and you having to rely on someone else um, means that you actually have to admit what your weaknesses and faults are. And that could be very threatening to the ego for someone who's never done that before. It's not, and it's, it's not a, the same persona that you, you put right. on social media. Like they, right. they see it now a different uh, reality. They see the other side of the coin. Yeah. Uh, they see the, the good and the bad things. And you know, suddenly someone says, I thought you had everything like sorted and got together. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and this is especially challenging uh, for people that are, um, you know, personal brand based businesses, like the expert business or whatever it is, um, because you fall into one of the most dangerous traps of saying, oh, if people, if I hire people that won't work because people only want me and they only want how I can help them. And, you know, I'm the special snowflake that can't reproduce anything that I do with it for other people. Um, therefore, I'm the only one that can do this type of work, right? And I've very, very, very rarely come across anything. I mean, honestly, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now where that's ever the case, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just challenging. So um, but anyways, you know, those are, I would say those are probably the two biggest ones is, you know, the myth of um, solving your marketing problem and the myth of the seven-figure business um, you know, most people at seven figures are struggling quite considerably and get stuck there for quite long. And, uh, and let's, you know, and I'll just throw a third one in there, which is, um, you know, most business issues are not business issues. They're actually personal issues masqueraded as business issues. Right. And yeah, sure. So a lot of people that are stuck at the million dollar mark, even the $2 million mark, right it's because you're unable to let go of something, Mm -hmm. whether it's unable to let go of, uh, whether it's, you know, delegating responsibility, whether it's you wanting to look over everything to make sure it's perfect. Um, There's a number of reasons, but it has, it all comes back to you in terms of how you operate in relationship to the business, in terms of um, your relationship to your own ego and um, level of significance that you draw from the business mm-hmm. uh, versus, you know, you just feeling significant because you are right. Cause you're just an epic human being. Right? Um, but 
when you start to derive meaning from the business itself, you start to attach a lot of your own, your own identity to the business. And then the worst part is when you start to get a level of success in the business, um, then you start to fall into the identity trap, right? Because then you're like, oh my God, I've tasted success. Other people see me as successful. So now you won't do anything that actually threatens that identity, right? Because you have now elevated yourself onto this pedestal where you're like, I'm this super successful dude. So now every single thing that you're trying to do from that point forward becomes that much more challenging because you're trying to meet up to your own standard and expectation of success. Yep. Right. And now because it threatens that identity because you'd want to look good essentially. So you don't take as many risks. You don't do the things that um, you don't try the new things. You just do what works for you because you don't want to fail because you don't want to see how that looks and reflects on you. Right. So I think that's, um, so I would say that's probably the most common thing that I've seen. You see also cash flow to be one of the issues that uh, people face in scaling on uh, the seven figure path. Oh yeah. Well, I figured everyone, Absolutely. I, 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 the only reason why I didn't mention cash flow is because cash flow is the issue why you, everything, you know, every business. Yeah. 40 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, for those of you listening, you know, cash is definitely king and you want to make sure you're paying attention to cash flow. But, um, you know, but that is, that is actually, you know, I mean, while we're on that topic, why don't we, you know, mention it is, a lot of people have a, a fundamental misunderstanding of how cash flow actually works um, because a lot of people will, um, you know, let's say that you sell a coaching package or you sell like a services package, right? Where, you know, let's just say it's uh, $10,000 for three months of work, right? Um, but you're only collecting, um, you know, 3,300, you know, three through three, whatever, every single month, right? Um, so a lot of people will act as if they got all of that $10,000 upfront and make all their decisions based on that thereafter, instead of looking at the actual flow of cash, which is quite literally what's the cash that came in and what's the cash that's going out. Yep. And you know, if there's one thing, one thing that you can manage in your business, it's get more cash coming in than more cash coming out. And it sounds so simple, so obvious, but this is where you know, basic fundamental uh, principles of accounting start to trick you, right? Because you, know, you start to see accounts receivable, you're like, oh, I know that's gonna come in. But fact of the matter is you don't. So if you start making decisions based on a future that you don't actually know uh, quite exists yet, if you make your decisions based on reality that hasn't quite come yet, but you're making those decisions in the present based on what you think is gonna happen in the future, then that's how most people fall into a cash flow issue. Right. And, and it just comes down to um, optimism. Right. It's just like, oh, it's all going to work out. And when it does, I'm going to start making all these decisions now because I want to be, be proactive and you know, have this balance. But that becomes uh, one of the most challenging parts is uh, that balance between, you know, just optimism and uh, proactiveness. <laughs> yes. Uh, absolutely. In fact, uh, I, I was one of them. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, my business hey, we, partner. We've all been there. That's how we know, right? That's how we learn. That's why I love my business partner because it's like, yeah, you actually didn't quite close like 30K right now. What do we have? It's like 2K in the account. So 
<laughs> right. This is, a, and, and also what if the client doesn't pay? Maybe they just pay the first and the second, they don't pay the third, something happens to them. Uh, and so these are all things that needs to be factored in when you are thinking about how do you use the cash that you have available and how do you make those decisions? So, yeah. Or what if something gets in the way of them paying because A, you didn't fulfill on what you did or they have some feedback that's negative and then you have to do the rework and you didn't factor that cost in. Um, That's probably the biggest, I'd say that's probably like the biggest sneakiest issue of of what affects cash flow is client expectations and managing the client expectations. Absolutely. And in particular in a service-based business where, or if you're looking at coaching, mentoring, speaking, if you're doing working out other work with other people's businesses or personal life, now, th- there is just as much control that you have yeah. on uh, on the outcome. I mean, it, it doesn't depend on just follow, you know, if uh, life was so simple that you follow X, Y, and Z, and then you got result A, then everyone would be like, super, like multi-trillionaires uh, if that was the case. But actually, you follow step X, Y, and Z, and every person that will follow the same exact step, they will have all different results. Right. Depending on where they are in their business, depending on uh, or their life, depending on how much actions they take, depending on the environment, depending on how many people they have in their database, all, all these different things that uh, they are less, uh, like they, you, you can control less uh, as, yeah. a, as a mentor or, uh, or as a coach. So now let's go into the, so now we have, we have explored like the doom and gloom. Yeah. <laughs> on the side. We gave the reality check. This is your slap in the face of what you're in for. But now the, the reason, like we see people that are scaling companies, we see people that are fulfilled um, in having companies that they love working with, uh, working in, uh, I'm not saying not have challenges because that's the reality of business. You will always have things to face but you can be in a happy place and you can be happy with the business that you have scaled. So how do we now scale the business in the right way? What are the things that we need to consider and uh, have in the forefront of our mind? Sure. Um, so cash flow projections is obviously one. It's just making sure that um, you know, you're really planning for what's the cash coming in. Do you actually have the work or do you, are you like planning for growth? Right. Cause a lot of people, uh, and this is where it becomes challenging. It's a really difficult balance. Like I, I think it's one of the harder ones to um, master is um, do you start building all the operations that you need to plan for growth or uh, do you get the business and then get the operations built uh, behind it, right? Um, so that's always going to be the battle. And of course, um, you know, the easy answer is, well, make sure you can plan for growth and make sure you still have a margin, but don't squeeze out all your margin trying to plan for growth. Cause then uh, one thing happens and you know, you're, you're out. Yeah. The door, right. Um, but the number one thing um, to start scaling is to really look at, you know, two, two different aspects. Um, the first one is what's the one customer or the one customer avatar, whatever it is um, that you actually want to serve and what do you want to do for them? Right. And the thing that you want to do for them, you know, which I call customer delivery product, whatever uh, the service might be, um, you know, that delivery should be absolutely streamlined and you should be out of it. Right. Um, And it should happen for that one person. And the reason why it's so important to do something for one person is the nuance of how difficult it is to do the same service for different types of people. 
So, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of agencies, you know, like I used to run a, um, a pay traffic agency, you know, like we talked about earlier. And, you know, the number one thing that I never cared to do was niche down, right? And the reason was because I wasn't looking to grow a big asset. I wasn't looking to grow an agency. I did it because I wanted to see as many different businesses as I could, hmm. right? But if you're really looking at what's the best practice to grow an agency, it'd be to niche down. And I think the you know, fundamental issue that most people have is that they think niching down means being small. And that is 100% not the case, right? Because here's, here's the thing, you know, um, you know, one of my buddies, um, you know, uh, Hayden Power with uh, Power Search Marketing, right? They, they do marketing only for chiropractors, right. right? So it's literally rinse and repeat, same thing over and over and over again, chiropractor, chiropractor, chiropractor. And, you know, the moment you throw like, oh, can you do it for a dentist? It's like, well, that just throws off all the operations. It changes the copy, changes the lander, changes um, how you optimize. It changes the offers that you have to get used to. It changes your sales conversation that you need to have with the person. Mm -hmm. um, it changes your marketing message. It changes your customer delivery. It literally changes everything, right? Like every single aspect of your business is tied to who do you actually want to serve and why? Right. And um, so I would say like those, those two things are probably like the easiest ones. And then of course, so then almost it like sounds like more like a back to basic because <laughs> you oh. know, but what I find, I don't know if uh, you can agree with me, but what I find is that the more I think about operations and the more I think about scalability, I'm actually looking at simplifying everything yeah is less product than streamlining them and just having more going through them as you mentioned it's, uh, oh, so you can cater for more people and you can work with a lot more people and you can offer way more services no they're just a freaking yeah. nightmare uh, well i think right. um and here's the thing is i think it's coming from a really great space and i think it's because you have so many entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs because they really want to serve. They're coming because um, they want to help as many people as they can, right? And you know, and I think the hallmark of a really great entrepreneur is someone who wants to take a really big problem and solve it for as many people as they can. But where the danger becomes is the feeling or the fear of missing out on serving a certain group of people, right? But when you look at, you know the biggest scaling secrets. It's choose the one person, do the one thing for them and keep doing that over and over and over again as much as you can until you blow it out of the water to like 10 million, right? Because um, you can get to $10 million with one type of customer, one thing, just doing that and that's about it. Um, you know, because there's only three ways to grow a business anyways, right? <laughs> there's only three ways to grow a business, which is get more clients, um, get the same clients to buy more from you or charge your clients more, mm. right? Three ways. It's, it's very, very, that's it. yeah, that's it. You know, very, very straightforward, right? Um, but I think it becomes very counterintuitive because, you know, you think by doing more, you can build more. And I think that's the trap that people fall into. But I think that there's also a very real and evident um, psychological journey that people have to walk through where they have to realize um, that they're actually falling into the trap of scarcity of not wanting to turn down business because um, you know, they don't know where that's gonna lead them. And 
you know, and oftentimes what happens and, 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 you know, don't get me wrong when you're struggling for cash flow and you're just starting off and you're trying to take on every single business that you can, it's really difficult to say no. Mm-hmm. Right. But saying no and being able to um, say, Hey, um, you know, Hey, you know what? You guys do events. We don't do events. We don't even want to try to figure that out. We're not going to work together. Right. And just, but the thing that we specialize in is this, yep. that person will appreciate you that much more. And they might even have a referral for you because now they know that you specialize in that one thing. That they can put you in that box. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it, it, that's the way that it happens in people's minds and they don't realize the, you know, how association happens. Right. It's like the moment that they think, because what you're really wanting to do is own the word in that person's mind. So the moment that they, someone says, oh, do you know someone that you know, does digital marketing for X? You want your name to be the one that pops up for that, right? Do you know someone that's an expert in events, right? You probably want your name to be popping up for that. So it's super important to know, you know, because we're all playing the attention game anyways, right? So what is the space that you want people to take up in their own minds? And what does that actually look like for people? Absolutely. So that's the, that's the first part. So looking at your niche, looking yeah. niching down, um, refine, making sure that uh, you don't cater to everyone, but you focus yeah. on one single person and repeat and making sure that you take yourself off the delivery. So yes. let's talk a bit more about that because, sure. you know, there are a lot of people, as you mentioned before earlier, that they, they are listening and they're saying, but how can I do that? I mean, uh, is it only me? Is it what is in my head? I can see what the client needs to change. I can, yeah. I have the experience, I have the expertise. So how can someone then start transitioning from being at the front of the delivery yeah. to getting out? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so once you establish who the actual avatar is and who you want to serve, then you want to figure out, well, what problem do you actually want to solve for them, right? And then based on the problem you solve for them, what's the actual outcome that they want, right? And if you think about everything in terms of person, problem, outcome, right? Um, person, problem, solution, then it starts to become a lot easier because then that just becomes one, one person, one pain and problem that they have, one process on how you want to solve for that problem, and then, you know, one actual product or solution on how to actually deliver all that, right? So the first thing is just answering all those questions for yourself. And what's really great, um, well, and then of course that determines and dictates the price because that's gonna determine the value. So the first thing that you need to do is get super clear on what's the one outcome that you can actually deliver for people and just cut out all custom work, right? So, um, and that's probably the other biggest trap for the agency is when someone says, no, oh, I need this and they need it. It's like, no, like we do this one way. You have this problem. We solve that problem for you. And that's it. We don't do anything else outside of that. Um, so that's really just establishing that is the first thing. And then it's really, well, do you have a predictable process that you've proven out to get to that intended outcome? And is it documented and can you follow your own process to help with that person, right? So again, I'm starting with the right person. I am using the repeatable, duplicatable process that I have personally used over and over again to get to the intended outcome. When you have checked off all those boxes, then you can teach someone else on how to actually deliver that. 
But this is where a lot of people also fall into the trap is they hire someone else to solve that problem for them. And then no one knows what's going on. It becomes, you know, wholly unscalable. The, um, you know, the delivery gets affected. Everyone gets, you know, and everyone has a poor experience from it, right? So um, a lot of people hire too soon because they haven't actually nailed down their core competency before they're actually ready to hire. So there's a lot of merit to, you know, essentially growing a little bit slower because you can lay a better foundation for yourself. Yeah. So it's about finding, uh, first of all, making sure that your methodology is uh, like, it works. You have the templates, you document all the process and you yeah. do that with a number with many clients. And by the time you reach maybe like the alpha million mark, then you have done that. Otherwise you would not be there. Uh, and so then at that point, instead of just uh, being reactive of, uh, because that's something that uh, I've done in the past many times, uh, which was, yeah. oh, I launched this program. I just partner up with someone else and I give them the delivery, which works, but it works. Uh, I found that it was great for cash coming in, but then uh, it wasn't scalable at all because now yeah. that particular product or service is reliant on just that person that I've hired. Right. And they have all the relationship with the clients and they have uh, everything in their hand. And so actually it becomes even more difficult to, to run and streamline, which is uh, mm -hmm. the, the core, which is like the theme <laughs> of what we're talking about, streamline yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, so that's what, I, what I'm hearing you saying. Okay. So Absolutely. now we got to, I know there is uh, way more you got to say about this topic, but uh, we got to start wrapping up the interview now. I can, I can just like ask you a question for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and I'm sure that our listeners would love to, but um, uh, is there like one thing before we wrap up that uh, you found that we haven't not talked about that is really important for people to know? Um. With respect to what? Uh, respect of scaling, scaling the business. Um, yeah, I would say the hardest thing is, you know, really discerning if the person's the issue versus the process is the issue. Because hmm. um, a lot of people tend to blame a person for not um, doing what they asked or were asked, but a lot of people don't set proper expectations. They don't communicate clearly. The process was an issue to begin with. And that person ends up taking the blame rather than the process taking the blame. So I'd say that, um, you know, often more times than not, if you can really look at that and kind of like give people the benefit of the doubt and just ask yourself, well, is this a process issue or is this a person issue? And if you think the process is good because you know it's proven whatever uh, and the person's just not following it, then it's obviously the individual issue. Um, but you know, was everything super clear to them? Were the expectations super clear to them? Was the way that you wanted it to look um, clearly communicated to them? What, did you tell them that you want it in a Google Sheet versus the Google Doc, right? Did you tell them that you want it in a certain font? Um, you know, and because I think a lot of visionaries, especially, uh, you know, that are entrepreneurs keep, uh, just assume that people can read their mind and not even assume, like they, they see, like they see their vision of what they want so clearly in their head that they believe that they already articulated everything because they see it, right? So then they leave out a lot of gaps of the detail that's necessary to get closer to that vision that you see in your head. Like what we really do is actually do it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> That's how it's perceived <laughs> most of the time. So the what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Zion. So we're, we're now getting towards the end of the interview. It's time to lift the veil. Uh, what is something that uh, uh, maybe an app or a tool or something that you use in your business or personal life that is worth sharing, that is worth for other people knowing? Sure. Um, so I have a book recommendation. Mm -hmm. So for anyone that is just starting their scaling journey, I'd recommend reading this book called Traction um, by Gina Wickman. It has, you know, it has a really great foundation and starting point so that you have a really good understanding of how to implement all these different aspects of your business. And it takes you through, um, you know, how to really start operationalizing things. And it's one of the uh, first books that I read that gave me a lot of context as far as, okay, great. You know, how do I, where do I go from here? Yeah. Traction from uh... Gina Wickman. Gina Wickman. Okay, so the link is going to be in the show notes, guys, so you can scroll down and find out. Get the link right now of uh, Traction. Uh, Zion, great talking to you. I know everyone here on this show that is listening say, I want to get in touch with you. I want to follow you. I want to see more of your stuff. Uh, what do you have for, for our audience? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way to get in touch with me uh, is just add me on Facebook and actually message me and let me know this is how you found me because I get um, you know, a lot of people adding me every single day. So that's, that's a really, really easy way to just follow and see what I'm up to. Um, one thing that I'd like to kind of gift um, to the audience here is um, we've essentially created uh, a checklist and you've seen this actually. Um, we've created a checklist of, you know, what the ideal sales process looks like if you're selling anything over $5,000. Um, and all the different stages involved and what are all the follow-up emails that are needed or the follow-up communication that's needed so that um, you know things essentially don't fall through the cracks right because uh, a lot of people's sales process are leaky buckets so this is a way to plug them so if you want that checklist um, you can just go to uh, 1mt period co slash zion dash sfc uh, which just stands for sales follow-up checklist Brilliant. Can you repeat it again? Yeah, that's www.1mt.co slash my name's Ion dash SFC for sales follow-up checklist. Fantastic. So the link is in the show notes. So you can scroll down, get your checklist right now. I've been through the checklist. Freaking awesome. I've changed a lot of things already in the way I follow up just from, uh, uh, from looking at the checklist and uh, seeing some holes that I had in my sales process. So you will find it incredibly, incredibly useful. Uh, so make sure that you download it. Zion, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for being with us today and sharing your wisdom. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how we, you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. 
And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening and until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.